0: I had just graduated from Asbury Seminary with a newly minted MDiv, and having been recently ordained, I thought I was ready for anything. 24 and going into the ministry, appointed to go to Calvary United Methodist Church right across the river from Ohio, from Cincinnati. I thought I was prepared for anything. What I was not prepared for was for my congregation to die off one by one. The church was an inner city church, it was uh, an aging congregation, and I did dozens and dozens of funerals in my four years as their pastor. During their time as pastor, I was accepted by them, and this was a great experience for me, someone in my 20s, they accepted me and my wife Susan, and they taught me many lessons, they ministered to us, I learned a lot about life and love and ministry, Sometimes I think more so than I was able to minister to them. I'll always be grateful to the saints of Calvary Methodist Church. One distinct lesson I learned from all those funerals is that death always comes as a shock. When we lose a loved one, the circumstances of the death really matter little, whether young or old, whether deceased, The deceased has suffered for many years of long and painful suffering or died suddenly and unexpectedly. Death always manages to shake us. Death somehow seems unnatural, as though this is not the way it's supposed to be. Of course, as Christians, we have an answer to that disappointing shock, don't we? We have rich theological traditions that help us sing with the Apostle Paul. This perishable body will put on imperishability. This old mortal body will put on immortality. Then we say, like Hosea of old, which Paul was also quoting, death has been swallowed up in victory. We defiantly look at death and say, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? This was my constant refrain as a young pastor, preaching all of those funerals. It was an honor for me to remind people in my care grieving as they were in the face of death, shocking though death was, that death is just a, it's just a transition for us. Death and the inevitability of death will always be one of life's biggest questions. It has been with us since the beginning of human civilization. Every society, going back to the beginning of history, think the Gilgamesh epic, has tried to grapple with the shocking reality of death. Without the rich theological traditions that we have as Christians, without real answers to these questions, then the people around us in the world in which we live are still lost and without hope. And on the topic of death, they often deal with it by avoiding the subject altogether or by minimizing its inevitability or very often with humor. Humor seems to be another way of avoiding the, the whole subject. It was the eccentric 20th century author William Suryoyan who captured this best in a statement to the press five days before his death in 1981 when he said, everybody has got to die, but I've always believed an exception would be made in my case. Or Mark Twain who observed, we never become really and genuinely our entire and honest selves." until we are dead, and not then until we have been dead years and years. People ought to start dead, and then they would be honest so much earlier. (laughs) Or perhaps, you know this one from the now disgraced Woody Allen, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. In our Christian calendar, Ash Wednesday is the time when we, as Mark Twain said it, become really and genuinely our entire and honest selves. And this is a good and healthy thing to do. We need to reflect on the fate of all of us and to make full use of the rich Christian traditions that answer our questions. So, before we speak of Resurrection Sunday or of our hope and indeed our conviction of a blissful eternity with God, all of which is preceded, of course, by the death and resurrection of our Lord during Lent and the celebration of Holy Week, we pause on this Wednesday with Christians around the world to reflect on our mortality, the undeniable, the unavoidable fate of us all. We know that our Christian traditions teach us that death is really only a beginning of something else, a new beginning of life with God, but we'll focus on that later. Today, we focus on the reality of death, But not the reality only. We focus on our nature as broken people, as sinners, which is why we all must die anyway. The lectionary reading from the Psalms is part of that rich tradition, and we've been blessed to sing it so beautifully together today in a new way for me. That was beautiful. The early Jewish tradition preserved this Psalm, Psalm 51, for, for us by associating it with that moment when the prophet Nathan confronted King David with the reality of his own sin. David had said, the man who does this deserves death, and Nathan said, you are the man. David immediately and readily accepted the reality of his own guilt, saying, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, we don't know that the psalm was actually related to him historically, but it's the association which is so profound. Here, the psalmist confesses, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I know. I know. The particular way this is expressed, kifisha I ani e da and I can't preach this way anywhere else, so I'll do this here. because the one place I can say this. ani e da. I know, it is an assertive use of that pronoun I, it reflects a dramatic self consciousness and a painful awareness of the truth about oneself. I know. I know. It may seem unwelcome this morning and especially harsh for me to emphasize this, but this is the message of this text and it's the message of Ash Wednesday. I am a sinner. I deserve death. Will you embrace that reality this morning? that's one step in the direction to becoming fully Christian. Realizing we are, and in our own strength and power, and without the hope of any re- relationship with Jesus outside of His death and resurrection, we really are helpless and hopeless and deserving nothing but dust and ashes and all that. The Princeton philosopher, Emile Calle, reflecting on his Christian tradition on this tradition many years ago as a young Christian, came to Christ very much like C.S. Lewis would do many years later, more or less by reasoning himself to Christ. It's a fascinating story. I would recommend it for your reading in a little book called Journey into Light. Cahier was contemplating the words we say at communion when we take the Eucharist. He speaks of the exhaustiveness, the comprehensive nature of the confession we say, and using the old ritual. We acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed. Especially, Cahiers says those words are manifold sins, which Cahiers says may cause us to miss something that is even more truly remarkable. He calls this the gentle understanding of love, which truly makes of the communion service an epitome of the gospel of God. The overall impression left by this general confession, we acknowledge and regret our sins, is that it somehow entitles us to partake the sacrament. But the truth is the sole reason we may take the sacrament is that we have been graciously invited to do so. Cahiers calls this the personal character of grace, which he says is magnified in the words of the Supper's Institution. Take, this is my body which is broken for you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood which is shed for you. This personal understanding of our Lord's words makes us uneasy, or at least it it should make us uneasy. Cahiers says the use of pronouns in this offer is actually a silent confrontation In our most honest and tender moments, we realize the insight, broken by whom, Lord? And who caused your blood to shed? Hear this quote from Kaye. Each time I have indulged in gossip, envy, cheating, or backbiting, each and every time I secretly have rejoiced in iniquity, in some form of harm done to others or suffered by them, I have broken that body, caused that blood to shed. I seem to hear a distant hammering, a driving of nails through those hands that were raised only to serve, to heal, or to bless. Now I know that the man I have been has had a part in hammering, that hammering I hear over there. Calle goes on to point out, however, that the words of the institution never say it. It never, like the prophet Nathan says, you are the man, you are the woman. In these precious moments, Jesus merely gives himself. He says, this is my body broken for you. This is the cup shed for you. But I cannot let you leave this Ash Wednesday service and let you leave this room without hearing this. Today is not just about sin and death. It's also part of the same rich Christian tradition to hear the other words of this text, which we also sang this morning in Psalm 51, when the psalmist pleads with God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Turn the coin over with me and consider the flip side of this theological tradition. We actually believe, don't we? That God is at work in His grace through His loving and beautiful work in your life, God is at work to cleanse us and to make us whole. And this promise is not just pie in the sky, something future in heaven. We believe God can and does work in the receptive heart to regenerate within us a new and right spirit. So, yes, this morning, the imposition of ashes acknowledges that we are dust and all of us are returning to dust. But today, when you receive those ashes, you take them in the sign of the cross. The ashes mean not simply that you're dying, but that our death is but one part of a larger journey made possible by the cross of Jesus Christ. And by faith, that journey is a destination beyond the grave. It starts here. It can start here for you this morning as you acknowledge your sin and death. But it journeys from here, through death by God's grace, toward forgiveness, holiness, health, in this life and the next. Let us pray. Lord, like the psalmist, we say, I know. I know my transgressions. My sin is before me. And so this morning we humbly present ourselves to You, acknowledging our own sin and the death that we deserve. But we also plead with the psalmist that You create in us a new people, that You create in us clean hearts, that You'll enable us to experience the regeneration that You've died on the cross to provide for us. Now we thank You for these moments. We pray that You'll bless them richly with Your grace, Help us to see things that we've not seen before, to follow you in ways that we've not imagined. And we will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.